0: Hello and welcome! You're listening to Season 1 of Adam Was Mad, a podcast where we discuss all things childhood mental health. I'm your host, Michelle, and each week I speak with a guest who either experienced mental health struggles as a child themselves, is parenting a child who has a mental health diagnosis, or who's a professional in this field. A quick cautionary note, many of our episodes talk about trauma of various kinds. So listener discretion is advised. Every story is important and valued. And every story reminds us, we're not alone out there. You have a village of people who understand exactly what you're going through and who can help. If you're looking to connect more closely with that village, join us on Facebook in the group Your Village by following the link at the top of today's show notes. When you join, enter your email to receive our free monthly resource. Hopefully you'll learn something new, hear something interesting, or truly just be reminded that you're not alone. Without any further ado, let's get to today's episode. Hi everyone, today I have with me Michelle Steiner, who's going to talk to us about her journey with a learning disability. Welcome Michelle, thank you so much for being with us here today. Oh, thank you so much, Michelle. I appreciate it. Of course, and I should call out, I'm Michelle with one L and you're Michelle yeah. with two L's, <laughs> which is very exactly. important to us, Michelle's. We always have to know
1: who the one L and right, who
0: the two L's are.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I get that
0: <laughs> Yeah. It's a big, it's a big deal in the Michelle world. Okay. We care. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, so, you know, tell me a little bit about your journey. Where When was sort of the first time you realized that your brain maybe wasn't working the same way that everybody else's
1: was? The first time we realized that was when I was in kindergarten, when I was diagnosed with having a learning disability. Okay. And and I didn't really notice it, but my teachers started to notice. I just wasn't picking up on skills that other kids were doing. I can remember math was always our biggest challenge, but even just things like tying my shoes, visual Mm. perception that deals with the brain, not with the eyes was one of the things that came up and it was really... Hard because I can remember I would do these dot to dot worksheets in kindergarten. And I thought, oh, I'm doing this right, and I would get it back, and it would be like, no, try again. And I just remember being really frustrated. So, yeah, everybody else knew I had a learning disability because they they tested me, and my parents explained it to me uh, that, that I have a learning disability. I'm going to have to repeat kindergarten in a different school. But I really didn't, I don't think I really got a grasp on that until a a lot later in life. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Because I mean, you're, I can just remember being really, really frustrated because all I wanted to do was be able to learn like my peers, be accepted by them. Right. And I just, yeah. And I just thought life was always going to be really hard and I couldn't learn. Mm. So, oh my gosh, that's so
0: sad. You know, hearing what six at my son is in kindergarten. Now he's a Mm six-year-old. And this idea that this is always going to be hard, that's so devastating, you know, that you recognize something is always Mm -hmm. going to be a challenge or you feel like something's always going to be a challenge. And I think especially with children's minds, we can't conceptualize, they can't conceptualize that this isn't always going to be your life, right? You know, I remember being bullied in middle school and it felt like the world was ending because I couldn't see myself. At mm-hmm. 18 or 28 or 38, I couldn't re I couldn't recognize my brain couldn't process the fact, even though I knew it, you know, I knew mm-hmm. I would get older. I couldn't rationalize that it wasn't always going to be like this. And so that really clicks when you yeah. say that, that feeling of, you know, I felt like this was always going to be hard. It's so sad, but it's I think it's a universal feeling when we're young because we really can't think ahead in the same way we can think retrospectively now as adults
1: exactly because I can I, I work with students that have disabilities now and I hear a lot of those things that I've said in seventh grade I'm I'm tired of having my learning disability or I'm tired of having my individual education plan right and it's such a unique thing to be able to go into that room with them and to just say um This is why we do this. It's going to be okay. And I can reassure them. And then sometimes even other experiences that they have, they'll say, you don't know what it's like to have everyone not like you or to have everybody or or to have this. And I can say, well, I do know what it's like. And I get to give that hope to somebody.
0: Oh, I love that so much. You can, you can really relate to students Mm -hmm. who are going through this right now. And what a blessing that you're able to work with students and share that personal experience. You know, when I send my son into school every Mm -hmm. day, I do worry that the adults around him don't understand his diagnosis and don't, can't relate to him in that way. Can't understand what he's going through. I myself don't have the same diagnosis that he does and can't relate to him in that way. And so it's just how lucky are those students to have you somebody who actually can genuinely relate to their experience and say hey I've been where you've been and it's going to get better that's so yep. inspiring so as you grew older and you went through the school system how did your learning disability impact you know you mentioned having an IEP but how did your learning disability impact your ability to grow academically
1: Well, at first, right after when I had to repeat kindergarten, it was in a new school and I had my first taste of specialty instruction. I would spend my mornings in a first grade room for like a homeroom because they really didn't have a plan at that that time period. Mm. And, And then I would go specialty instruction where we would learn about reading. I was always a good reader. It just, I struggle with reading comprehension, but they just wanted to keep me in there just to get that little extra help to just to kind of cement the concepts that I was going to need. And then we did math while well, we attempted to. And and then the afternoon I spent in kindergarten with my regular peers. And that's what I needed at that time. And I can remember as I got throughout elementary school, we slowly started to get into more regular ed classes. I was able to go into some reading science and social studies, and I had the supports of having extended test time and having the test read aloud to me. That that was something that, that helped. And math, well, we always ended up in learning support with that, but that was okay, and it, it was hard because a lot of times my peers would see that I went to a very small school where everybody knew each other's business. So you couldn't really hide. And I was obviously picked on people thought, well, you're getting all the answers or mm-hmm. you're doing simple work. And I was doing what was on the level that, that I needed. Right. And yeah, so that was some of the, the, the academics services. And eventually I was put in all regular ed classes, except for math and resource, still getting the supports, still doing wonderful with that. Academically, that, that was, it got a lot easier. The thing that was more difficult was socially. Here, groups became more defined, and I just didn't feel like I fit in with any particular group. So I, that, that was harder. And what I had to do was I found some friends that were my own age. And they were involved in another school in an art program. And I got to shed that reputation that I had that followed me around all throughout my school years as being the learning disability student or the, the not smart one. And just having that acceptance really helped me through that and encouraged me to reach out to other people. And some of these friendships that I had, they're still going on after 20 some years. So that, that's amazing. That was-
0: Yeah, You know, and that's actually, I'm so glad you said that because that's such great advice to parents whose children Mm -hmm. may be getting bullied in school or haven't found their friend group in school, particularly because of Mm -hmm. some of the stigma. You know, if stigma is following your child in school, maybe they can find a friend group through another school through an extracurricular through a sport through a hobby and i love that you found art because art is is so magical and I, I try to instill um mm-hmm. you know a love for art in my children i don't know how how well i do that but i try <laughs> because i do feel like it's it's really art can be so cathartic and it can be so healing and it can bring people together right. in so many wonderful ways and so I love that that was what brought you together with your new friend group, your accepting friend group. And that's right. what a lovely story. I love that.
1: Thank you, Yeah. Writing has always been healing for me. That's the first thing I was really good at. Writing. And, wow. Yeah, and I found other people that like to write and yeah. That's amazing. So, you know, beyond the academic
0: challenges and the mm-hmm. social challenges while you were growing, how does your learning disability affect you as an adult, if at all?
1: As an adult, it was a concern with going on to college. Mm -hmm. I had even before that people thinking, well, maybe she can't do it because of her math. I even had a psychiatrist that told me when I had to get evaluated, said most likely won't go beyond a community college. So when I was at school, that was the big thing was um, trying to use those services. And I needed extended test time. And we knew math was going to be the the biggest thing. Math and science were going to be the hardest. Right. So... Thankfully, I eventually used accommodations. I found the right program that was was good for me. And I was able to get my bachelor's degree. After Congratulations. Few... Thank you. It, it took, a, yeah, it took a few extra years of, I got my associates first and then I worked and then the circumstances eventually got there where I was able to go to a university and finding the right program and using the services as an adult now some of the things that I struggle with is I'm, I'm not able to drive because of the visual perception and it's not with my eyes, it's with my brain. So I live in a central location where I could walk. I have an amazing husband who takes me to work and some wonderful coworkers that take me where I need to go. And sometimes that's actually been a blessing because I can notice details that other people don't. So oh. I'll be in the car and I'll be like, did you see that, that those flowers or did you see that? And my husband's like focusing on the road of like you should <laughs> and I'll get a chance to go back and take that picture later yeah. on a walk or if I don't have a ride somewhere. And sometimes what I'm able to do now is I'll post some of those pictures and a lot of it I'll do on my blog. And people are like, You can bring out details that other people missed. So yeah. that's Oh, that's it's a like credit. a superpower. Yeah, yeah, in some ways that there's just that superpower of having that, being able to bring out those details and processing is a big thing too. Sometimes I might struggle to understand like directions Mm. Uh, that can be hard. So I might need just some very clear, maybe extra time to do things. Uh, I'm unable to read an analog clock. So I, I mean, I can look at it and I can see there's numbers and I can see the the handles and, but it just doesn't make a lot of sense. We'll use a digital watch. My Fitbit is really good for that. They also found out I have limited hand dexterity. So yeah, unlocking doors has been a real challenge for me. I use anything with my hands. So we'll use a lot of things, things to help me with that. Like I'll use a, a can opener that's an electric rather than a manual one. That uh, makes hard. sense. Yeah, it's hard Yeah, hard both ways, the visual perception and that. So that, those things can be a challenge. And the handwriting is also a big thing too.
0: When I was I can little, see that. of
1: course, we knew that I didn't have great handwriting and it hasn't gotten any better. In, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, and I can remember a teacher putting a W on my report card when I was young. I mean, okay. knowing I have the disability and once I learned how to type, it took me a little bit longer, but that was a real game changer for me because now people could understand what I was saying. Yes. And what you were
0: writing and writing is such a big mm-hmm. part of what makes you, you, and you found yep. a modality that worked for you and you exactly. were able to express those thoughts and feelings for the first time. That's amazing. I, I, I think that's so great that we're talking about these tools that you mm-hmm. use because a learning disability comes with its own large set of challenges and yep. learning to overcome those challenges, learning what tools you can use, what what is available to you to make mm-hmm. those challenges easier so that you can still fully participate in life as a normal human being. I mean, yeah. I think normal in air quotes, <laughs> but you know, so that you don't feel limited in your life. And right. I, I think that's something that I know as a parent, I certainly worry about. I worry about my child's diagnosis, feeling limiting to him and making sure that he has all of the tools available at his disposal as he gets older to overcome any challenges he might encounter. Right. And so it's, it's wonderful to hear from somebody who is an adult who has overcome all of these challenges and can share with parents, here are some things you can do. Speaking of advice to parents, what is something that looking back, you wish your parents knew Earlier or sooner, or advice you could give to other parents who are going through this with their children? What's something you can tell parents that might help them through this?
1: The advice that I would give out parents is not to give up on their child because my parents Mm. never gave up on me. And they explain things in clear, simple, age-appropriate terms that I had a learning disability, my brain just learns differently. And just to, to go along with a lot of the strategies. And I think that's definitely something th- that works. So that would be my advice to parents is not to give up on their child and to explain things and just to look for new ways to do things. That's a fantastic Uh, piece of advice. This has been so great. Thank you,
0: Michelle, for sharing all of your wisdom with parents who are working with their children. I'm sure that this is going to be really, really valuable information. And I really appreciate you talking to me today. Thank you so much. Oh, thank you, Michelle. I appreciate that. Of course. That's all for today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Don't forget to follow or subscribe and check out today's show notes free downloadable resources and a link to join your village our facebook community catch you next time